Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Nick from Live Rehab. And I'm Denise. And today we're talking to you about triggers. I'm Nick Roberts. I'm Denise Roberts. And welcome to Addiction Radio, the podcast from Live Rehab. We believe people should be able to beat their addictions without having to give up everything. Your journey to recovery and a healthier life starts right now. Yeah, so we're going to be going over uh, why it's important to manage your triggers in recovery and how triggers can actually prevent a relapse. And then we're going to talk about something uh, called HALT. HALT is a great little acronym that we'll go over. And then we'll also do a deep dive into people, places, and things. All right, so let's get started. So let's talk about triggers. Now, triggers are very important when it comes to preventing relapse. They really are. So a lot of times you will hear in the addiction field that uh, relapse is common. And I want to challenge you and just think about that concept critically. If you're telling yourself that, oh, it's common, it's normal, um, a part of recovery to relapse, then like subconsciously, even though you don't want to, but subconsciously you're giving yourself a message that it's okay to relapse. And that's what we want to... uh, kind of change as far as like the way that you think. Um, It is not um, okay and you should not be giving yourself permission to relapse. And in some respects, what you focus on expands in life. So if you're focused on, you know, giving yourself permission to relapse, are you potentially setting yourself up to relapse because you've put yourself in those positions? And I think that you want to make sure that you are not like Denise said, giving yourself permission to do that, but also not focusing on, you know, getting in that one relapse or, you know, I know I'm going to relapse at some point because then essentially you you may be, you know, putting yourself in the wrong position. So one thing that we do know after uh, working in the addiction and recovery fields and just uh, talking with a lot of our clients is that uh, the the people who relapse are those who were never fully prepared. And I mean like fully, fully prepared. Um, you're, when you go into recovery, there's gonna, there's so many things just flying at you all at once. You've got all these different emotions, you've got uh, these feelings going on, and you're just always in, um, especially early recovery, you're feeling triggered all the time. But if you're prepared and you know what's coming, you have a much greater chance at being able to, uh, to fight these triggers uh, and to not relapse at all. Yep. And I think, I've, I think I might have said this before, actually, but failure to plan is a plan to fail. So planning for being triggered is certainly an important way to prevent that relapse. And the one thing that we are going to introduce is this acronym that we talked about before. Yeah. So in the addiction field, there's a, there's a pretty common acronym that you might have heard of, or if you're new to recovery, you might not have, but it's something called HALT. So HALT is, uh, stands for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. So if you ever feel like you are um, triggered, just HALT. Just stop for a moment and think about those four things. Yeah, not only is it, is it a great play on words, which it is, but it does give you the opportunity to pause and consider whether you're feeling any one of those four things. So if you feel triggered, pause for a second or halt and think, am I feeling angry right now? And if I'm feeling angry right now, okay, that might be an indication that that's something that's triggering me right now. Or maybe I'm tired and I have to look back and think, did I sleep enough last night? Um, And what can I do 
now that I feel tired, now that I know I feel tired, that might be a reason that I'm triggered. What should I do about that? Yeah, so the thing is, is when you halt and you go deep into yourself and you think, um, it's usually one of those four things. It's not always, but it usually is. Um, what can you do to, in that moment, to help one of those things? So if, if for say, like if you're hungry, like maybe, okay, let's eat a healthy snack um, so that I'm not hungry and see if that can help you through your trigger. Um, like you said, tired. Um, like just think of things that you can do. As if you're feeling angry, what are your go-to methods, your coping skills to keeping yourself calm? Um, and same thing with lonely. Like loneliness is actually really uh, common in, in recovery and it's something that a lot of people are just not prepared to feel so uh, so much, especially in early recovery. So if you're lonely, do you have someone you can call? If not, is there maybe like a crisis line that you can call or, or it's just some way that you can get a connection with another person? Yeah, write down some ideas that you have around each of the different uh, parts of HALT and then that way you won't be suddenly dealing with them, uh, well, suddenly. And you won't have to be thinking, okay, how can I, how can I combat this? Um, obviously, hungry is quite easy. Uh, you can usually resolve that, that quite easily. But the, the angry and the loneliness and the tiredness can be hard, especially if you work, if you're working, uh, or if you're out and about. Uh, it could be easy to instead give in to that trigger and, and allow a relapse to happen. But if you've prepared a list of things or items or, or, or ways that you can come across and fight back against halt, then you're going to be in a good in a good place. Yeah. So let's just uh, back up just a little bit, and I want to now talk to you about uh, something that might happen to you before you even need to halt, and that's a warning sign. So believe it or not, um, your body may give you like a pre warning that you're about to be triggered. Um, so this is like something that happens before the actual trigger. So you know what to do if you're triggered, you halt and you try to resolve those things. But what if you could even take it a step further and get even more in tune with your body and recognize the early warning signs before it even gets to a full-blown trigger? Like a pre-halt. Yeah, like, like a pre-halt. But some of these early warning signs can be so subtle and you wouldn't even know that they're warning signs until you kind of look back at your past triggers and you see what kind of patterns emerge. So, um, and these are different warning signs across the board, but they can range from uh, things like maybe being a little anxious or feeling sad or um, maybe you're a little sleepy, not like full on like, oh, I'm so tired, but you know, like maybe just not getting the right amount of sleep the night before. Or if, like yeah, if you know you've had a rough night with sleep, maybe that's potentially a warning sign that you may feel tired later on in the day. And is there something that you can do now to avoid that? So when thinking about triggers, uh, know that, you know, you have the, the halt, which is the main thing to do to, uh, to get out of a trigger, but always try to keep going a step further in looking into uh, seeing if there were things like before your trigger that may have happened. Because if you can prevent a trigger before it even starts, that's the best case scenario right there. Okay, so if you've gone past 
pre-triggers and you're in trigger mode, you're feeling super triggered, you're, we use the example of um, angry and you've meditated and you've prayed and you've taken a walk in nature and you have, you know, done all the things that you have said to yourself that you will do when you feel angry to calm yourself down and make you feel better and you're still feeling triggered, what's left? Well, there's an important component that can really be thought of as a last resort, and that is the letter. But before we begin talking about the letter itself, you wanna make sure that you're in a good mental space, and there's some important reasons why. Yes, absolutely. So, um, being in a, before you sit down and you, you write your letter, okay, you really need to be in a space in your, in your body and in your head to where you can handle writing this letter because, not gonna lie, this letter is gonna be super uncomfortable. The letter is gonna be hard because it's gonna dig deep into not only the good parts, but also the darkest parts of your life. And that's gonna provide you with ammunition and the real kind of clarity that you need in that moment to remember the commitment that you made, to remember the reasons why that you are, you know, fighting back against addiction, that you're in active recovery, because by reading this letter, it's gonna use, to use the word trigger, it's gonna trigger memories within you that you are probably gonna to need to face, but that's, ultimately what's going to help you come through and make sure that you don't, you know, relapse. Yeah. So how do you write this letter? Okay. So this is, it might sound really cheesy. I don't know if you think this is cheesy or not, but it's really important that you kind of separate yourself from technology. We live in a really technological heavy world that, and you take some time and, and you go into a space where there's no distractions and you have a old fashioned pen and paper and you start writing. So you start off with dear whoever you are, whatever your name is, dear Denise, dear Nick, right? And the first thing that you'll want to do is tell yourself about all the accomplishments and everything that you have done while in recovery. So start it off positive. What are some things that you've accomplished and how is this making you, how did it make you feel to get so far um, without using substances or engaging in your addiction? Even if you feel like you don't have that much to be proud of, there are plenty of things that once you start writing or once you start listing out that you can feel proud of. And it doesn't have to be mega huge things. It can be just the simplest things, such as, you know, I've been you know sober now for, for seven days. Uh, I, I was able to clean my house. I've been able to keep my job. You know, things like those, even those kinds of things, if you're struggling to come up with them, if you're not, that's great too. Then you can just list out the things that you're super proud of. Mm -hmm. But then you need to start digging into some of the other stuff. Yeah, so we, we call this the sandwich effect. And you've probably heard this um, many times. But you're going to sandwich your letter. So you're going to start it off positive. All the things that you're proud of. How, how much you've accomplished. And then that middle part. This is the meaty part. And this is the part where you're going to be really uncomfortable. But it's important that you get this all down. You get it on paper and you work through it. And this middle part is going to be... Uh, talking about, you're going to be writing to yourself, remember, so you'll be telling yourself, reminding yourself about uh, the darkest moments in your addiction. So what are the things that, that you did that you are not proud of at all? All of it. Write it all down. 
And so, for example, uh, if you said something that you regretted to somebody, write it down, the details of it. Talk about not just the things that you did, but how you felt. Talk about your physical body. Uh, those times when you were in active withdrawal, maybe, and you were vomiting and had lots of diarrhea. Write it down. Those things and those details and those components are going to be solid reminders for you. And as you write them, again, it's going to be important that you're in that good space because you don't want to feel triggered by by these things. But you're going to, you know, the more detail and the more information that you can provide, the more ammunition it's going to give your, your mind and your space so that you can be, you know, really solid when you read this letter back to yourself. Mm -hmm. And then um, you're going to want to end the letter by giving yourself a pep talk. So talk yourself out of uh, engaging in your addiction. Like tell yourself, don't do this. You're better than this. It's You're stronger than this. Whatever you need to do to give yourself a little pep talk so you'll end it on a, on a positive note. Yeah, you can say things like, I'm not going to use again because of all the reasons or I'm not going to relapse because of all the reasons I listed above. Or all those times I felt terrible or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And also put in there some things that you are looking forward to, you know, some things that you're looking forward to in your life so that you've got a little future, um, future thinking in there as well, because that, that's always helpful to give yourself something to focus on. Yeah, exactly. And then once you're done writing this letter, I want you to fold it up and put it in your wallet or your purse uh, or wherever. If you have like a phone case or something, you could put it in there, but keep it with you. It's important in early recovery to keep it with you 24-7. So at least the first 30 days, if not longer, you're going to have this letter on you all the time. And then after that, you can just make sure that you put it somewhere where you have e where you can easily access it. So don't ever get rid of this letter, um, but just like maybe put it in a drawer or something, uh, but somewhere where you know where you can, you can grab it if you do need it. And then when you're feeling super triggered, nothing has worked, you're gonna bust the letter out and you're gonna read it to yourself. It's for your eyes only, so you don't need to read it out loud, but Find a space where you can go and you can read that letter and you can be reminded of all the reasons you've chosen to live the sober life. And finally, we're going to talk about the three nouns, people, places, and things. So let's start with people. Okay, so we, when thinking about people, this is something that we realize it's not so uh, cut and dry. And it's really complicated and it varies deeply and greatly across the board. Um, but think about the people who trigger you. Um, and these could be people that you've used with in the past, or maybe people who are just not very nice to you, or if you're in any sort of toxic relationship. But anybody who has the potential to trigger you, it's important to uh, take a step back and take a break and reevaluate whether or not you should still have this person in your life. Some people are going to be easy to identify, as Denise already mentioned, maybe people you use with or, you know, your dealer. If your dealer is your best friend, probably not a great um, person to hang around with. However, there are going to be situations where the people are a lot more difficult to figure out or some situations that are basically impossible to avoid, such as work. If you're a boss of someone that triggers you because of the way that you have to work with them, you're going to want to spend some time coming up with a strategy to deal with work. And we talk about relationships in another podcast. Totally recommend you review that. 
Because if that's the situation that you're in, you are going to need to make some either tough decisions or some really good strategy decisions around making sure that you know that's handled for you. So people is generally quite easy, but there are certainly some sticky situations. Yeah, and definitely, like like Nick said, check out our other podcast when we talk about social circles because we do dig a little deeper into uh, family, friends, and professional relationships. But when thinking about uh, preventing triggers, you really want to look at uh, the people in your life. And once you've figured that out, once you've you know spent some time thinking about that, moving on to places. And places can be you know obviously big triggers for people. Um, it's, it's easy to see if, if you've got some kind of addiction that was uh, connected to going to clubs or going to the bars or pubs, you can avoid those. That's, that's not that difficult. But there are, again, there are going to be places that are probably a little harder for you to figure out if you're dealing with a porn addiction and, you know, you were using your computer and you're addicted to porn and it was in your bedroom, you know, you might want to think about moving your computer into a public not public, but, you know, in an area in your house that's quite visible and open. Um, but then there are other techniques that you can use for your home as well. Yeah, so if your home is a trigger or was a trigger for you if you, part, if you were partaking in your addiction at home, the best thing that you can do to prevent a, a trigger happening at home is to uh, make it into a space that doesn't remind you of what it was like when you were first using. So... That means, um, it, and again, we, we realize that not everybody has the means or access to do so, but so just do what you can with what you have. But if you have the means to be able to uh, redecorate, maybe a fresh new, uh, some fresh paint or some new furniture or things like that, get some new plants in there, like whatever you can do to make your home feel different, that's great. If you don't have such means, or maybe you live with housemates or roommates or family or or whatnot, then think about like maybe rearranging your own space or, you know, just some simple things like moving your bed to a different corner might be helpful. Get creative, have some fun with it, make it something that you know, um, is, is something that you want to do and it can help you feel better as well, just in general. Um, you know, check out thrift stores and those kinds of things for, for some neat ideas if you are on a restricted budget. But but definitely be thinking of the, the places that trigger you and how you can either avoid those places entirely or you can change your headspace when you're in those, in those places. And then that brings us to our last noun and that's things. So a lot of things things can be triggering um it i mean like the endless things really um if you think about it it really also depends on your addiction so let's say if you had like a cocaine addiction and you use spoons okay just going into your kitchen and getting a spoon could be a trigger it's true and you know, fortunately for everybody the the triggers and the the things specifically are going are, are going to be very individualized to that person. So it's, it's kind of hard to be very specific here for things, but, you know, try to think about the things that triggered you without getting triggered and then make choices around how you can change those things or interact with them differently or just be, you know, creating a space around those things that's, that you're more conscious about it you know that you're going to feel a certain way when you, you're going to use a spoon, when you touch a spoon, for instance. That is one thing that you can do with, with things. You can throw 
your stuff away. You know, that, that yeah. is an option and um, it certainly I, would be a, something I'd recommend. I do too. And, and you know, a lot of times people hold on to, to things for sentimental mm-hmm. value, but there's nothing right now more important, okay, than keeping your sobriety. And you can, if you're afraid to throw something away because it has certain sentimental value, um, but it's a thing that may have triggered you, you can take a picture of it. Take a picture of it and, you know, mm-hmm. set it aside. Um, but then get rid of it. Like, seriously, just get rid of it if, it if it means that you could be triggered. And so combining HALT and the three nouns, essentially you've got a good idea of the major triggers that you need to be thinking of and the major things that you need to be aware of in order to make sure that you aren't, you know, at risk for a relapse. Yeah, so thank you very much for uh, listening to uh, this and we hope you found it helpful. And like always, if you have any questions, you know how to find us, you can post in the Q&A. We'll be here. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. This is Live Rehab and you've been listening to Addiction Radio, the podcast. You can follow Live Rehab on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next time for another episode of Addiction Radio. Thank you for listening.